In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. The first time I visited Holy Trinity, it was a hot summer Sunday this past August. It was bright outside, a beautiful day. And so entering this amazing space was a little like stepping into another world. It took a few minutes for my eyes to adjust to all around, to see the, the marble, the terracotta, the oak, the people. And then probably like a lot of you on your first time of entering this space, I looked up. And there all around is this dazzling color. Reds and blues and yellows and whites and everything in between. All around there was light. These Henry Holiday windows working their magic on me. And though the windows are dazzling every day, and they certainly were that day, I've learned something about looking at stained glass. I used to think that those bright sunny days would obviously be the very best days for looking at a window, for admiring it, for taking a picture of it. But a photographer friend of mine taught me about something else. He suggested that no, the bright days aren't the best. The very best days for looking, for taking photos, for really noticing things are days like this. Days like today, when they're not the brightest and the sun isn't glaring or burning through, but they're a little bit overcast, a little gray. It's much better, he said, when the lighting outdoors is subtle and indirect. You can see more. It's then that the colors really show up. They glow more than they burn. With less light, the windows reveal their details, their textures, their contours, their secrets. It may be a secret of stained glass looking that we can sometimes see better in the dark than in the bright light, but I think that's also a key to understanding this day in the church year, this last Sunday of the regular year, this day we call Christ the King Sunday. The feast of Christ the King is in many ways bathed in light, bright vestments, special music, strong symbols and words and loud praise. But within all the sounds and the colors and the words, there are contradictions if we notice them. Today is a lot like Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, in that we're saying something is in order to say what it is not. Christ was not a king in any sense of the normal word, and yet Christ is king. He was powerless over mid-level officials and suffered the death of a criminal, and yet to him was given dominion and glory and kingship. He's a Jewish carpenter from Galilee, and yet he is Alpha and Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come. The light of the day, anyone can see what a king or queen in this world looks like. That's been the case for eons. 
During the time that our first scripture lesson was written in Daniel's day, the king was obvious enough, all too obvious. The king was Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of Babylon. Daniel's audience knew all too well who the king was because he had been oppressing them. They were victims of this king and they were languishing in exile at the time of this reading. And so to God's beloved, Daniel's apocalyptic visions look for the coming of a new king, an entirely different king, a a stronger and more powerful king than Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel looks forward even while he launches a severe criticism on the kings of his day. Daniel wasn't writing for the refugees in Syria today or for the Christians in Iraq or Egypt, or elsewhere. But he could have been. Because Daniel is writing down a vision of hope and promise in the midst of what seems like total darkness, where people can't see clearly. They can't imagine God is there for them. And yet Daniel shares his night vision with the people he loves. A similar dynamic is at play in the Revelation to John as John writes to encourage the faithful who are again undergoing trying, difficult times. John, too, comments on the evil kings of his day. Perhaps it was the Emperor Nero or Domitian. And John uses veiled, complicated language. He he fills his scary-sounding prophecies with flashy images and wild beasts so that the enemies of Christ will be dazzled and distracted from John's real message. Because John's message is really to the faithful. It's to the believers who can see through all of the symbols and the distractions. Even though the faithful are living in a time of darkness and confusion, they're being persecuted. They nonetheless can hear and see the words of Daniel the words of John, the words of any who offer hope in a living Lord. Jesus himself has a way of walking and talking in the light and yet using shadow and darkness to sort of hide the light. It's often as though Jesus is kind of standing in a shadow off to the side and he invites the faithful to come over and and get a closer look and then just when one approaches Jesus, he he sort of jumps over to another place. He he shifts and there's a burst of light and then another shadow. It's a kind of holy hide and seek that Christ often plays with us. That's what Jesus is doing with Pontius Pilate in today's gospel. Pontius Pilate is interviewing Jesus, and Pilate, of course, has all the worldly power, but Jesus has the spiritual power. Jesus sort of plays with Pilate, offering glimmers of truth veiled in clouds of riddle. Pilate's smart, though, and he intuits there's something to this man. There's something to Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? Pilate asks. And here Jesus does his, his move. He sort of steps out of the light and back in for a minute, and he dodges the question. Jesus says, my kingdom is not from here. Like a cat chasing a laser, Pilate goes for it and runs down that direction, and Pilate falls for it and says, so you are a king. But it's worked, and Pilate has run off in another direction. 
pilots lost in the dark and not really looking for a way out. Perhaps Pilate's got too much of the sun in his eyes. He's got the Son of God in his eyes. Today's scriptures invite us to adjust our vision, to enjoy the light when we know it, when we see it, when it's here, when we feel it, to bask in the light even. And yet next week, as the season of Advent begins, we shift into a season of increasing light. That's the purpose of an Advent wreath, to remind us that more light is coming. In the days ahead, we'll be invited to be honest about all those places in our lives where we feel like we're living in the dark, where we might be lost, where we can't see the way forward, we can't understand what's next, we can't discern what God's going to do next. We can't perhaps even discern God's presence. And yet we're called, we're beckoned, we're led by the hand of God. Some of you know that classic spiritual guide of the Middle Ages entitled The Cloud of Unknowing. In it, the anonymous author asserts that there are those times, and thanks be to God, those times in the spiritual life when we can know the full presence of God. We can cling to God's goodness and know it to be ours, and we have the love of God fully with us. But then there are those other times. There are those times, as the author of The Cloud of Unknowing says, in the work of contemplation itself, the knowledge of God's presence must be cast down and covered with a cloud of forgetting. And you must step above it stoutly but deftly with a devout and delightful stirring of love and struggle to pierce that darkness above you and beat on that thick cloud of unknowing with a sharp dart of longing love. And do not give up whatever happens. We beat on the clouds with a sharp dart of longing love as we pray, as we cry, as we invite, as we sit and wait for God. There's a whole branch of Christian spirituality that stems from this idea of of deducing God, of approaching God by saying all along the way what God is not. Elizabeth Koenig, who used to teach at General Seminary, suggested that this type of theology, apophatic theology, was, was perfect for the 21st century when so many people feel absence of God more than presence because absence itself is an entryway to the heart of God. By gradually weeding out what God is not, God is not this, God is not that, God is not that, then we get closer to who and what God is. Still a mystery, but a mystery that's a truth that comes to us. It's like when we're really small and we can't get to sleep and a parent comes to us to be with us, to comfort us in the night. That's what God does with each one of us. The world outside these walls seems to grow darker with war, with terrorism, with hunger, with poverty, with violence. Perhaps the world inside these walls is sometimes dark with broken relationships and confused messages and heartbreak and disappointment and pain. 
But faith shows us that light increases. The true light increases. As John the Baptist proclaims, the light that shines in the darkness, the darkness never overcomes. The true light that enlightens every soul, that light is coming. Today is Christ the King Sunday, and the spotlight is appropriately on the King of Kings. But ours is a king whose crown is made of thorns, a king whose throne is nothing more than the shoulder of his friends, whose holy realm is open to all who would live and follow him in love. A few years ago, a friend of mine gave me a children's book by a man named Cooper Eddins. He's still alive, I think, out in Seattle. And it's become one of my favorite books of all time. The little book, I don't think, was at all intended as a lesson in Christian faith. But Eddins's juxtaposition of silliness with solemnity reminds me of these tricks of light that scriptures play out today and reminds me of the words and the spirit of Jesus himself. In this wonderful little book, Eddins writes, If tomorrow morning the sky falls... Have clouds for breakfast. If night falls, use stars for street lights. If the light goes out, wear it around your neck and go dancing. If the sun never shines again, hold fireflies in your hands to keep warm. And if you're afraid of the dark, remember the night rainbow. In a world that too often seems falsely illumined, fluorescent, and glaring, faith sometimes calls us into the shadows, into the darker places, to apprehend and know the fullness of God's presence, to pause, to discern what and who is the true light. Today, let us bask in the light of Christ, who is light and dark, who is king and pauper, who is Alpha and Omega. And let us follow in his love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.